Just a heads up before we begin this episode and this series. The Baron of Botox deals with difficult topics, including depression and suicide. It is not recommended for young audiences. Stay tuned to the end of the episode for information on resources for anyone who is suffering from depression or suicidal thoughts. Let's begin the show. Can I get that? Can I get that crime? Can I get that magic lotion? Can I get a face full of numb and lotion? A recent report found that the worldwide medical aesthetic market, a fancy term for procedures like Botox or fillers, or one of those treatments that miraculously freezes the stubborn fat off your ass, is projected to be worth $26.53 billion by 2024. The same study revealed that 63% of aesthetically conscious consumers worldwide would consider it worthwhile to spend money on improving the way their face looks. And according to the American Society of Plastic Surgeons, in 2018, Americans spent more than $16.5 billion on 17.7 million surgical and minimally invasive cosmetic procedures. And at least 7.4 million of those treatments were Botox injections. And the godfather of all this? The guy who turned the act of injecting nerve-arresting poison under the skin into a suitable alternative to something so taboo that Hollywood stars refused to fess up to the most obvious of tweaks? His name was Dr. Brand. This is the story of an extraordinary doctor named Frederick Brandt. A man with a surgeon's hand and an artist's eye, whose patients, like the model Stephanie Seymour, who, believe it or not, is the one giddily rapping about needles full of magic, saw him as a side door to eternal youth. It's a story about fame, ambition, and the anxiety we have, all of us, not just women, around growing old, undesirable, and irrelevant. This is a story about beauty, but be warned, it is not a beautiful story. From Imperative Entertainment, I'm Justine Harmon, and this is The Baron of Botox. In film and on TV, suicide is always portrayed the same way. An unwitting schmuck walks into a bathroom or a jail cell and boom they bear witness to an act we all agree happens, and far too often, but mostly to other people. We see two feet dangling ominously in a doorframe, just for a second, an occupied stretcher draped with a sheet and some flashing ambulance lights, maybe a quick cut to a grieving husband losing his shit to a death cab song. There's no one beside you when your soul embarks and I'll follow you into the dark. When it comes to real life, suicide is rarely that tidy. In real life, the stories of the survivors get hijacked by the dead in more banal and less cinematic ways. There's paperwork and hard decisions to make, clothing, sometimes houses or pets to get rid of, toxicology reports, finger-pointing and infighting, aversion tactics, anger. When Dr. Frederick Brandt a cosmetic dermatologist with successful practices in New York and Miami, 
and known the world over as the Baron of Botox, set his mind to taking his own life on April 5th, 2015, Easter Sunday. He knew that his closest confidants, business associate Stefan Kalu and loyal yoga instructor Carl Schusey, were scheduled to arrive at his Coconut Grove, Florida home in a matter of hours. He knew that his friend, John Joseph Hubert, better known as Jasper, was spending the night because his assistant of over 20 years, Marguerite, or Maggie, couldn't. And Maggie, like many of his close friends, didn't trust Dr. Brandt to be alone. He knew there was an alarming mix of antidepressants, benzodiazepines, and sleep aids in his system. He knew that a psychiatrist had been treating him for the past 10 days and that he was on round-the-clock suicide watch. As Dr. Brandt and his friend-turned-guardian Jasper casually watched TV in bed with his three beloved rescue dogs, Tyler, Benji, and Surya, Dr. Brandt knew that he'd soon be discovered hanging from what the medical examiner report would describe as a yellow and black rope. He knew that Tyler, Benji, and Surya, notorious barkers, would wake up in the bed they shared with their human and find him missing. Maybe he knew that the dogs would nose their way to the garage and keep eerily silent vigil until the police arrived. When the news of Dr. Brandt's suicide broke, it quickly made the rounds in media circles. By the next day, it was everywhere. Dermatologist Frederick Brandt was found dead in his Miami home. The dermatologist to the stars found dead in an apparent suicide. At that time, I was a senior digital editor at Elle, where I had worked for over three years, beginning as an assistant editor on the print side back in 2012. For years, I had aspired to work at a glossy magazine. Having graduated from plastering my bathroom door with bobble-headed Steve Madden ads in middle school to interning at InStyle while I was in college, I was obsessed not only with the process of making a magazine, being tasked with deciding what and who was worth talking about and when, but also what working at one said about me. Never mind that my job consisted mostly of transcribing interviews, managing interns, and updating tedious master lists. The thought that I was good enough to be among the ranks of long-legged fictional editors I'd seen in movies like The Devil Wears Prada and How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, it made me feel immeasurably powerful. And that power is precisely what we were peddling. We were selling the idea that being and feeling beautiful isn't a birthright, but a mindset. And that, like anything else worth doing, it requires hard work. It takes the right products and procedures, the right routines and recipes, deprivation diets, deprivation tanks, a sense of humor, a taste for sex, new clothes each season, and sleek high heels that look like they've never seen a subway grate. We were selling the potent idea that no one gets beautiful off of drugstore hair color and Biore pore strips alone. The idea that you can't be beautiful, like high-end magazine cover star beautiful, without expert intervention. At L, Dr. Brandt was a celebrity and a friend of the magazine. He was an expert whose opinion we often sought on the latest age-defying products and procedures. Stories still up on L.com bear headlines like Dr. Brandt's Guide to Flawless Skin, and Dr. Brandt Answers All Your Pressing Skincare Questions. His appearance, which was, by all accounts, strange. He had taut, line-free skin, overripe lips, and bleached hair, was rarely, if ever, mentioned. 
faces of stars like Madonna is sharing secrets he says will make you look a decade younger in minutes. Please welcome the author of 10 Minutes, 10 Years, cosmetic dermatologist, Dr. Frederick Brandt. Welcome. Magazines and its attending industries are so often a safe space for eccentrics. Made up of mostly women and gay men, it's a great environment for rare birds to spread their technicolor feathers. And Dr. Brandt was a notorious peacock. He was known for working on clients, Madonna, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Kelly Ripa among them, while wearing outre fashion plucked straight from the latest runway shows. While other doctors in his New York practice, which took up a floor of Dr. Roy Geronimus's esteemed laser and skin surgery center of New York, sported lab coats and Crocs, Dr. Brandt wore drop crotch joggers and custom high tops. He sang show tunes while injecting his famously ageless faces with Botox and fillers that he swore, if administered properly, would take off 10 years in just 10 minutes. Dr. Brandt Dermatology Associates, located in a nondescript building in Manhattan's Murray Hill neighborhood, was the place to see and be seen. After his death, beauty writer Kat Marnell tweeted, in all caps, every time you went to Dr. Brandt's office on East 34th, you saw someone, an editor-in-chief sort of stumbling around with numbing cream on her face. In a clip posted to the official Dr. Brandt skincare YouTube channel, a little over a year before his death, He's shown seated on a couch in his Miami home. In the background, works from his impressive modern art collection are on full display. The video is a Chinese portrait, or, as an intro slide explains, an abstract, metaphorical depiction of a person to provide insight into the way they feel. Brandt is wearing a simple white button-down under a black suit coat. With his blonde hair brushed out of his face, he answers questions directly to the camera. An early softball asks, if you were color, what color would you be? Brandt answers without hesitation. I always like red, I don't know why. Kind of bright and vibrant, makes you stand out. He then continues to fill in several blanks. If you were a feeling. Peaceful. Nothing more, I think peace is the most over, underrated virtue. A type of song. Well, I would probably be more of a bittersweet song. Because that really expresses what life's about. An animal. Probably I'd have to be a dog, because I love dogs so much, I'd want to see what it was like to be one. What about a piece of art? I'd probably be a very abstract painting, because there'd be so much that people would have to look at me and determine what I'm all about and what I mean. And then everybody would be able to form my, their own impression of who I am. A flower. Maybe an orchid because I'd live a little longer. <laughs> this is where things get intense. The final question is, if you were a historical figure, who would you be? Instead of a name, Dr. Brandt offers up a strange mix of philosophy and self-awareness. As he speaks, he becomes increasingly agitated. He stutters. He licks his lips. His blue-gray eyes scan from left to right. It's astounding to listen to in retrospect. You know, it's hard to know who you want to be because you never know what's really going on in somebody's mind. You may admire somebody, but you don't know what the inner turmoil their own experience is. It experiencing themselves. Like somebody, you know, one of the best things, sayings I've ever heard, you never want to trade your problems for somebody else's. So everybody may look fabulous and you may look like they're having a great life, 
but until you're them, you really don't know all the aspects of their life. So I don't want to take anyone's life. I'd rather start and build a new one of myself. Now, if I was reincarnated, then that's a different story. Then I could reincarnate myself and build my own personality. See, I would, if I was reincarnated, I'd like to form all the aspects of myself and not have all the external influences of growing up. Then I could be sure. Then I'd only have myself to blame for any faults I have. <laughs> Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. At L, his death was one of those dramatic events that paused the day. Senior editors huddled around one staffer's cube and talked in hushed tones. Group emails circulated. There were rumors that Brandt was suffering from a terminal illness, that he was murdered. You could gorge yourself on headlines if you wanted. You could even blame Tina Fey. Some are wondering this morning if a parody on a popular Netflix show went too far. His publicist says he was deeply troubled by a Tina Fey-created skit that he felt mocked him. The unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt features a flamboyant dermatologist called Dr. Frant, who some say bears a striking resemblance to Dr. Brandt. On March 6, 2015, a month before Dr. Brandt killed himself, the first season of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt a Netflix comedy about a woman played by Ellie Kemper, who escapes a doomsday cult, dropped. The fourth episode, called Kimmy Goes to the Doctor, featured a cartoonish character named Dr. Grant, played by the famed comic Martin Short. The resemblance was uncanny and unsettling. In the episode, Kimmy accompanies her boss, a Manhattan Trophy wife played by Jane Krakowski, to see Dr. Sidney Grant, who she boasts built Mariah Carey from scratch. Dr. Grant's face is so full of injections that he even mispronounces his own name as Dr. Franf. Plastic surgeons look at feet? Oh, yes. Feet are the new butts, Kimmy. Dr. Franf is here. <laughs> Short, who is wearing prosthetics and a bleached blonde wig that appears to be iron straight, appraises Kemper. What interesting skin you have, he says absolutely no sun damage, but you've clearly experienced a tremendous amount of stress. What interesting skin you have. Oh, Look at that. Thank you. Absolutely no sun damage, but you've clearly experienced a tremendous amount of stress. Dr. Grant goes on to recommend treatments he'd like to administer. This brow furrow, zap, he says, his lips barely moving. Either way, your problems are easy to fig. This brow furrow, zap. In the wake of Dr. Brandt's death, many of his friends and colleagues were contacted by the press for their thoughts on whether the parody might have contributed to his depression. His longtime publicist, Jackie Trachtenberg, who declined to participate in this podcast, but still works with current Dr. Brandt skincare CEO, Stefan Kalu, did her best to keep the peace. The day after his death, she told the New York Post that Dr. Brandt had suffered from depression. In a previous statement, she had confirmed only that he had passed away and that he'd been suffering from what she called an illness. This time, she addressed the series. She said, The show definitely deeply hurt him. He was being made fun of because of the way he looks. 
But the show was not the reason for his depression, and it was not the reason he would take his own life. Tina Fey has never publicly addressed the issue, and her team first responded to my request for response with a short email that read, We're going to respectfully decline, and I would hope that the podcast doesn't delve into that area, given it was unfounded and caused a stir in the gossip circles that was unfounded. After I sent emails to Schmidt co-creator Robert Carlock and episode co-writer Jack Burdett, I heard from Tina's rep again. This time, she had a lot more to say. She wrote, I'm also curious, as a longtime beauty editor at Beauty and Fashion Magazines yourself, the perspective you're taking in the podcast on products such as TV commercials, print ads, and editorial magazine covers that sell beauty to consumers, and how that affects their mental health and self-perception slash body confidence. Hmm. But yeah, back then, people wanted a villain. They wanted someone to blame. On April 9th, 2015, four days after Dr. Brandt's death, New York Magazine published an article in which former W Beauty director Dana Wood was quoted as saying, Tina Fey has blood on her hands. Wood, who is often credited with coining Brandt's nickname, the Baron of Botox, in the late 90s, soon received emails criticizing the choice of words. It's on Monday morning, basically, that it all started to come out that he had killed himself. And I was literally headed to Disney World with my husband and my daughter. And I was just like, it hit me like a sledgehammer. I was like destroyed. I'm like crying in the car like a maniac. Here we are like going to Disney World, the happiest place on earth. And I'm like a complete basket case. After that piece came out, some woman tracked me down. She was like, she was so like angry at me for saying that. She launched into this whole thing about like, how close were you with him? Did you even see him in the last six months? Like this whole thing, it is vicious. But I felt vindicated later because other like the New York Times or whatever, people were like, that's an unequivocal like parody of Fred. The guy's name was Dr. Grant or something, right? And there had been other triggers, other incidents that had caused the doctor distress in the year leading up to his death. A star client had allegedly developed a nodule in her face after Brandt injected her with a controversial filler, something we'll get into in a later episode. And a March 2014 profile in the New York Times called The Man Behind the Face garnered over 100 comments from readers confounded by Brandt's appearance. Dr. Brandt may be a nice man, as some have mentioned in the comments, wrote one, but his appearance is shocking. His neck betrays what he is trying to hide with all of his own surgeries and fillers, that he is an elderly gentleman. Offered another, this man scares the dickens out of me, but as you move toward 50 and the cloak of invisibility starts to cover you, it's easy to succumb to the wiles of this man and others. Guy Trebay, a reporter and critic for The Times and the author of the piece, knew the profile held at its center a fascinating contradiction. You know, it's not that Fred didn't know how far he had gone. He knew. And I mean in terms of the interventions. But what became interesting to me was that there was this disjunct between his very, very evolved aesthetic sense in one way and what he was able to do for people professionally and how that kind of out of sync with what he saw in a mirror. He's not alone in that, by the way. I mean, I've known of other dermatologists and medical people who use themselves as skinny pigs. What do you think is the most interesting thing about the Fred Brand story? You know, I think what's, I suppose, the extent to which he emblematized is something that we don't know how to talk about, which is all this messed up stuff we feel about ourselves. He made himself that emblem, I mean, knowingly or wittingly or not. 
On April 16th, nine days after Dr. Brandt's death, his friend, socialite film producer and former model, Lisa Marie Falcone, hosted an extravagant and star-studded memorial at Alice Tully Hall in New York's prestigious Lincoln Center. The memorial began with Frank Sinatra's We'll Be Together Again and a supercut of Brandt's many TV appearances. You can hear a clip of Brandt client Joy Behar's voice announcing on The View, right now we're finding out the latest skin-tightening tricks and slimming procedures without surgery from dermatologist to the stars, Dr. Frederick Brandt. And then Betty Davis delivering those memorable lines in All About Eve. So many people know me. I wish I did. I wish someone would tell me about me. And they do. People tell each other about their friend, their doctor, and the man they knew. The ambiance is joyous and celebratory. Linda Wells, the founding editor-in-chief of Allure, speaks first. He took your face in his hands. He saw all your insecurities in their raw, unvarnished state. And he made them manageable, fixable, and permanent. The audio quality is poor here because the person who recorded this tape knew she was witnessing something uniquely interesting, but also did so on a device hidden in her purse. If you can't make it out, Wells is saying, he took your face in his hands. He saw all your insecurities in their raw, unguarded state, and he made them manageable, fixable. Next up is Jackie Trachtenberg, Brandt's longtime publicist. She says... He never drank, but was the life of the party. He was innocent, yet wise, worldly and childlike. He vibrated with energy, but perpetually searched for inner peace. She tells a story about a time he attended Yom Kippur services with her family wearing head-to-toe Givenchy, and the audience roars with appreciative laughter. Then comes Brandt's colleague, Dr. Geronimus, who says he met Fred in 1978 when he was completing a post-med school dermatological residency at the University of Miami. He says, I remember him being very studious, sitting at the side cubicle, devouring whatever information he could lay his hands on. He recalls a time Dr. Brandt rolled into a bar where Geronimus was absentmindedly watching a football game and asked a big smile on his face, who's winning? (laughs) Then Joy Behar takes the stage. At one point I said to him, you know, I need to lose weight, I'm going to lose weight, but I don't want to lose a lot because I'm going to look old. And he said to me, don't worry, you have me. <laughs> what are we going to do without him now? We're all going to have to stay fat. <laughs> the list goes on and on. His protege, Dr. Analik, who went on to take over his office and much of his client list, takes the stage and jokes that he and Fred were something of an odd couple. He was a 65-year-old with a 37-year-old body. I'm a 37-year-old with the body of a (laughs) 65-year-old. Then comes Garen, a one-name-only hairstylist who famously unfeathered Farrah Fawcett and gave model Carly Kloss her signature lob. Next up is Stefan, hairstylist Kyle White, Brandt's personal art dealer Paul Frank McCabe, or Pinky, and his friend and colleague, Dr. Jolie Kaufman. The last person to take the stage is likely the most famous face in the crowd, Kelly Ripa. Ripa goes on to tell the story of the first time she let Dr. Brandt inject her. He's spun into the room, she starts. He had on bondage, trousers, and a latex jacket. 
No one from his family or from the early part of his life spoke, at least not at this memorial. At a smaller service held four days prior at the Temple Israel Synagogue in Miami, Fred's older brother Paul, who had traveled from Connecticut, took to the bima to say a few words. Paul has never spoken publicly about his famous brother and has not responded to several requests to participate in this series. No one at either service mentioned Kimmy Schmidt. Back in July, I traveled to Miami to meet with Stefan Kalou. Stefan, who is French, is the current CEO of the Dr. Brandt Skincare Company, where, according to his LinkedIn page, he has worked since 2003. It's too bad that this is an audio-only program because Stefan is astoundingly good-looking. Think Pierce Brosnan in Mrs. Doubtfire. At 43, he has chiseled high cheekbones, floppy brown hair, a charming gap in his teeth, and tan everything. I know this because he posts shirtless pictures of himself on Instagram, and they are bananas. I show up early at the Coral Gable Sound Studio, where we're scheduled to meet, just in time to see Stefan slip his matte silver Model S Tesla into a parking space right out front. He's wearing an expertly tailored suit jacket over a crisp white button-down and pants with a tab waist that somehow turn into joggers at the bottom. On his feet are custom Stan Smith sneakers that say Dr. B with a heart. I'm nervous. Not only because I'm about to be in crazy close quarters with a gorgeous stranger. And let me tell you, podcast studios are intimate and so freakishly quiet. But also because I had been told in no uncertain terms that Stefan had a hold over Dr. Brandt. That something was up with their relationship. In her September 2015 memoriam in Vanity Fair, writer Lily Analik, the wife of Brandt's colleague Robert, touched on the fierce speculation surrounding Brandt's death. She wrote that popular theories as to why Fred was depressed in the first place included getting older and unrequited love. One source is quoted as saying, at his 60th birthday party, he was basically catatonic. Another says, he was in love with Bleep, who's supposedly straight, but... She doesn't name names, but I will. Full stop. Many people think Dr. Brandt was in love with Stefan. That would perhaps explain why, in his last will and testament, Dr. Brandt designates Stefan, along with his personal assistant Maggie, to be the executor of his estate. Stefan is one of only six people who received cash payouts. And to give you a better sense of Dr. Brandt's net worth, when his art collection, which included pieces from contemporary artists like Damien Hirst, Christopher Wool, and Marilyn Minter, were sold at auction in 2015, 18 pieces in a collection of over 200 sold for nearly $20 million. The Baron of Botox is a production of Imperative Entertainment. It was created, written, and reported by me, Justine Harmon. Executive producer is Jason Hoke. Produced and engineered by Shane Freeman, with additional editing from Jasmine Cross and Jason Hoke. Original music by Brandon Bush. Barbara Keene is our researcher and fact checker. Special thanks to Oren Rosenbaum at UTA. If you like the show, tell your friends and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. The Baron of Botox is a 10-episode series with new episodes available every Tuesday. Have questions? Email us at podcasts at imperativeentertainment.com. 
if you or someone you know is struggling from depression. Find local support and more resources by visiting NAMI, N-A-M-I dot org. If you are having suicidal thoughts, you can reach a trained crisis counselor by calling the toll-free National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-TALK or texting NAMI, N-A-M-I to 741-741. You are not alone. Thank you for listening. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.